Are you ready? Now for our first message, believe it or not, Mr. Ken Bart. I don't come up here crying. 
beautiful song, pay no attention to the garbage about Christmas at the top. <laughs> <coughs> Just in case you've been in a coma or something, tomorrow is Mother's Day. No, now is not the time to jump up, run out, get her something. You'll have to wait. <coughs> Sometime back, I was reading an article by a doctor who was, was telling about the magical, and it was his term, moment that forever changes a woman. The moment that she becomes a mother. I'm going to get through it. <laughs> anyway. Think about it, all of us out there who have never experienced this, and about 50% of you may, 50% of it, it ain't happening. <coughs> a life growing inside of you. I enjoyed Glenda's experiences when she was pregnant with our son. All the new experiences she had. <coughs> you know, the first time she felt him kick or felt him moving, uh, get the hiccups. I loved watching her eyes. You know, excitement, you know. This is happening. You know, this is a life. Then after nine years of pregnancy, <laughs> right lady, right mothers, you know, they call it nine months. And they call it maternity clothes. And then it's more like nine years and eternity clothes by the end of it. <coughs> but suddenly, there's this new life. There's this thing, baby, in your arms. And then there's the universal checkout. Mother counts the hands, feet, fingers, toes. You know, looks that baby over. And then, for first-time moms especially, there's this thought that comes to their mind. How in the world am I ever going to take care of this? I don't know what to do. And some, um, some, some girls did a lot of babysitting. Some didn't. You know. Glenda, she was kind of perplexed because she had a son. I wanted a daughter. I don't know how to take care of a son. She didn't know how to take care of a daughter. But she had this mindset that she could do that. You know. <coughs> they realize this baby's completely dependent on them. They wonder if they'll be up to the task. I have no doubt it is a very daunting task. Now think of Mary, Jesus' mother. She's told by Gabriel, not old Gabe from down the street, Gabriel, messenger angel from the throne of God, that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. Luke 26. 126, I'm sorry. And in the sixth month, I'm, I'm breaking into this, this is talking about uh, Elizabeth. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, 
to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and the angel came in unto her and said hail thou that art highly favored the Lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and when she saw him she was troubled in, at his saying cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be I should have done this in the English version because I bet it's kind of more interesting like she goes, what in the world and the angel said unto her fear not Mary for you have found favor with God and behold you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus and he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the house of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end then Mary I like this part then Mary said unto the angel well, wait a how shall this be seeing I know not a man she knew how things work you know. and the angel answered and said unto her the Holy Ghost shall come upon me and the power of the highest shall overpower you overshadow you therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the son of God and behold your cousin Elizabeth she has also conceived a son in her old age and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren for with God nothing shall be impossible and Mary said this is behold the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to your word and the angel departed from her <coughs> and it came to pass oh, I'm sorry wait a minute <coughs> now catch up with where I am compare her reaction to that of Zacharias or Zacharias I have fun playing with the way you pronounce these names who had been in the temple when Gabriel showed up okay he's in the temple of God with the incense God kind of liked it smoky so you know but he's in the temple okay nobody else is in there nobody else is allowed in there just setting the stage and it came to pass Luke 1 8 through 20 that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course according to the custom of the priest's office his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense and there appeared unto him an angel standing on the right side of the altar of incense and when Zechariah saw him he was troubled and fear fell upon him I can understand this is that better ladies <clears throat> but the angel said unto him fear not Zechariah for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you shall have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb 
and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah showed his sharpness here. I'm going to... Zechariah said, How am I going to know this? <laughs> An angel just showed up here next to you, fella. <laughs> I don't know. I know I'm thicker than a brick sometimes, and I probably, possibly would have been here. Anyway, where shall, whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man. I'm an old guy, and my wife is old. Right? I don't know how old Zacharias was. He may not have been down to that age. And the angel <coughs> answered, said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto you and to show thee these glad tidings. I think Gabriel was a little upset. You know. I, you know, I'm thinking Gabriel's probably an impressive per, uh, angel. And behold, you shall be dumb, which means not able to speak because he was kind of already showing the other part. Until the day that these things shall be performed because you believe not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Okay, so. We know how Elias, or Zechariah, I'm sorry. <coughs> responded to that. Let's look at how Mary responded to this. She paid attention, didn't she? She realized this wasn't just Gabe from down the street. She believed God. I started thinking about Mary's response to Gabriel <coughs> and how she reacted to some of the things recorded in the Bible. It seems that she's pretty calm when Gabriel visits. You know, probably shaken inside, but you know, rather than questioning him as Zechariah did, she heads right over to her cousin's house in my opinion, to verify his story. Because he's given her a clue here, right? If you want to check this out, your cousin is in her sixth month, the one that was barren. So all, it's, all she's got to do is head over there and find out. If, you know, if, if Elizabeth isn't six months pregnant, then it was just the taco that she ate for lunch. <coughs> Luke 1, 39 to 45. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And Whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told to her from the Lord. <coughs> Just sort of gives you the 
chills in a good way. I mean, power of God. There's just the spirit. Anyway, but I also noticed something that Mary didn't do. She didn't just leave it up to God. You know, think about it. She's going to give birth to the Son of God, which means to God. And how is she supposed to do that? little daunting task, maybe? Will she spank him? <laughs> you know, when he acts up, of course, it says that he never sinned, but children are children, and there comes a time when they're responsible. But when they're little, little ones, you know, they don't know what no means. But this is God, so maybe he does. You know, I'm thinking he didn't. I'm thinking he needed to be raised. I would say that she and Joseph raised him according to God's laws and in love right from the beginning, taking the baby to the temple to present him to God. In Luke 2, verse 22, And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. <clears throat> as it is written in the law of the Lord every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons there were things that had to be done according to God's law and these are not according to oral tradition these were according to God's law <clears throat> and what a glorious experience they had there there was this fella in Jerusalem named Simeon in verse 25 the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ and he came by the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought the child Jesus in to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let, <coughs> let you thy, your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light, to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. Why? <laughs> you know, they kind of, we, we forget things. I mean, Mary and Joseph both knew who was coming, but we forget these things day to day. It's like even though the angel Gabriel had told her who this baby was, they still just thought of him as a regular boy. So that's why I say obviously he was just like a regular kid. You know, he didn't, he wasn't perfect. He, you know, and, and that pagan holiday stuff where they always portray Jesus as being this baby that never cried and was just perfect and sweet. I'm thinking he was a kid. <coughs> But every so often God reminded him who he might be. And in verse 34, Simeon blessed them and said unto the Mary's mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. 
Yea, a sword shall pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Azer. Whether I'm getting these names right, I have no idea. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow about 84 years. Departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she was coming in at that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake to, of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I mean, this is wonderful. Simeon, then Anna. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. <coughs> One might think she even pretty much forgot who his real father was, as you'll notice in Luke second chapter when they found him at the temple Luke 2:48 And when they saw him they were amazed This is after they'd gone out 3 days journey and realized he wasn't with the group so they had to come back and find him and he's in the temple talking to the rabbis and schooling them at 12 years old And his mother said unto him son why have you thus dealt with us behold your father and I have sought you sorrowing we were upset. We scared us to death, right? And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Knew you not that I must be about my father's business? Now, Joseph's business was carpentry. So, oh, little reminder. Little, you know, wake, wake her up again. They understood not the saying which he spoke unto them. And he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart, pondered them, thought about them. <coughs> Mothers can be a little demanding too, can't they? In the first chapter of John, we see where Jesus is going around and he's gathering up his disciples, figuring out who who he wants and asking them telling them come with me okay then in the second chapter it takes a right turn <coughs> when we go to Cana for a wedding I'm thinking Jesus was kind of surprised by this turn of events too because he had stuff he was wanting to do he's getting ready <coughs> anyway the th uh, John 2 1 and the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. <coughs> and both Jesus was called and his disciples were called to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said unto her, and I like the way Reg re referenced this one time, woman, what have I to do with you? My hour is not yet come. You know, what, what, what are you asking me for this for? So she said, oh, sorry. No. She just turned to the servants, right? And she said, whatever he tells you to do, do. And then she left. <laughs> she, 
gee, these people have no wine. You know, you're going to take care of it. Sometimes being the mother of God can <laughs> have its good points. <coughs> hey, when Mama says do it, do it. And he did it. Okay, I'm certain that there's a reason that the lineage of the Jews passes through the women. Okay, because when you want something done, they can get it done. We read that one of the last things Jesus does is make certain that his mother's cared for. John nineteen twenty six. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his, <coughs> his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. Jesus lovingly took care of his mother. And we know that he is our Christ. <clears throat> now I'd like to talk to you about another woman that I heard about some time back. Because some people could say, well, you know, how could they mess that up? He's the Christ. He was come. He's ordained by God. It's all going to work out. <clears throat> There's another woman I'd like to tell you about. I don't know how many of you heard about Ben Car Dr. Ben Carson. He's a neurosurgeon. Very famous neurosurgeon. Just last, or this week, announced that he's candidate for the President of the United States. I am not endorsing anybody, okay, for or against. This just has to do with his mother. <coughs> I heard him speak several years ago. <coughs> well, he was still a practicing physician. His father had left his mother and two young sons to fend for themselves in a fine town called Detroit in the worst possible neighborhood in that town. <coughs> ben Carson told about his being at the bottom scholastically of his entire school at the beginning of his fifth grade year. He couldn't do basic math. He didn't care about any of that. He did not care about anything to do with school, about the books. Never opened the books. You know, he could tell you about basketball. He could tell you about certain athletes and how they were doing and how things were going on, but he couldn't, didn't care about Scholastic at all. One, one time he said he and his classmates were having a discussion about him and about how stupid he was. And they agreed that he was the stupidest kid in the class and in the school and in Detroit and in Michigan and in the United States and in the world. And he said, wait a minute, in the world? Now, I think, and they said, pick somebody, show me somebody that's stupider than you are. And he couldn't do it. His mother saw where they were headed. <coughs> so she turned off the TV, except for an hour a week. No TV. You're going to go to the library 
and you're going to give me three book reports a week on what you read. Mom had a third grade education. She couldn't read those book reports. She worked two or three jobs, leaving about five in the morning and coming home at midnight to take care of these boys. So they went to the library and they started reading books. He found a book on animals. Liked it, so read it. Came back when he finished that one and found another book on animals. Kept reading until he'd read all the books on animals. Then he had to figure out something else. Well, there's more books in the library, thankfully, than animals. So he just started reading stuff. One day, the geology teacher, geography teacher, I'm sorry, comes into class, and he's got this big black chunk of stuff. And he says, who can tell me what this is? Ben was sitting back, being cool. He knew that the smart kids would get that. But they didn't. Nobody answered. He, he kind of asked, you know, I think dropped a little hint or two but nobody answered finally he said it's obsidian took the teacher a minute to figure out who said that because he wasn't expecting it from this guy that's correct he said he amazed you know it's just lava that flows down from a volcano into the ocean into the sea and it's solidified it's glass now the whole class has dropped their jaws and, you know, looking at, who said that? That sounded like Ben. They were absolutely amazed. How did you know that? The teacher asked. He said, read in a book at the library. It dawned on him, hey, if there's stuff worth knowing in the books at the library, maybe there's something worth knowing in the books at school. Here's a thought, right? By the end of the fifth grade, same year, he was the top scholastic standing student in that school. In 1980s, oh, so what's, what's the big deal? What, what am I trying to, you know, big deal. So this guy, you know, made it to be a doctor. Not a doctor. In 1987, he led a team of 70 members working 22 hours to separate two children that were joined at the brain. He mapped that whole thing out, how and where to go, where to cut, so that they would both live and that they would both be able to function. Not bad for someone who couldn't perform basic math in the fifth grade. Dr. Carson just announced that he had, he's a candidate, as I already said. He had a lot of meetings already set up that he was supposed to attend after, after he announced. You know, there's all this. Once you get on that, I believe it's a real quick uh, treadmill. You're going all the time. 
but he's no. I'm going to announce that I have things to do. He had to go see his mother, who's dying of advanced Alzheimer's. Take care of mom. Because she took care of him. These two women, and many that I already know, or actually know, one I'm married to, are referenced in God's word. And no, don't look for Glenda in any verses. In any verse, in any version. King James, New Standard. Let's go to Proverbs 30, uh, 31 and 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart <coughs> of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She brings food from afar. She rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considers the field and buys it. And with the field of her hand she plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle goes not out by night. She stretches. Guess I better find it over here. <laughs> did, did I sneak one by you? Sorry. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. She does well. She does okay for herself. Her husband is known in the gates and <coughs> when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes fine linen, sells it, and delivers girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looks well to the ways of her household, and eats not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her, if he's got any brains at all. Many daughters have done virtuously, but you exceed, excel them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. You know, some people think that God doesn't like women. That he wants to hold them down as a second class one of those lies Satan likes to tell I'm convinced that's not the case what happened was after the fall God set up a hierarchy where the man was in charge having served as a 
acting chief on the fire department, I can tell you with no doubt whatsoever, there's nothing that will get you over the urge of being in charge like being in charge. <coughs> so someone had to be in charge. But that he thinks of women as a subclass? Huh, I don't think so. He put them in a position of the greatest influence of the whole world. Think of it. Every person alive has a mother and a father. But most of them spend the early years, and unfortunately, a lot of them spend all their years, mainly with mom. The well-balanced children, though, will have both a mother and a father present in their lives. And wives and mothers like this make it a joy for that man. Hopefully he also makes it a joy for her. Our nation has a huge problem with broken families, which has caused huge problems with delinquency, government spending, crime, you name it. <coughs> what a difference it would make if our world had more godly families and children that honored their mothers. 